You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. I want to take you to Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 28. And Paul writes this to the church here at Rome. And he says, and we know that all things, somebody say all things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What stands out to me this morning is this statement, an inclusion of all things. So many times we look at our life and we think, God, I can see how you can use this and I can see how you can use that, but there's no way that you can use this. There's no way you can use this segment of my life or of my past. Paul says no. He says that's not the case. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are the called according to his purpose. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the faith that I feel in this house and in my spirit. I pray in these next few moments that your spirit would minister to us today. God, you know the things that we've brought and we've carried into this house. And I ask today that your anointing and your healing, God, your faith would arise in us as we give you the glory and the honor. Let your spirit... Minister against every fear, every doubt, every question today. God, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord one more hand clap of praise this morning? Testify of our faith in him. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God bless you. You could be seated this morning in Jesus' name. All things work together. For good to them that love God. God is not a God of waste. While our adversary, the devil, seeks to waste everything. That's a powerful principle that it is great and wise for us to understand. That God is not a God of waste, but it is the enemy that seeks to waste things in our life. We see this principle bearing out many different places all throughout Scripture. It is replete with this understanding, but we open to the first pages and we see at the beginning when we are first introduced to God as our Creator, That God is not a God of waste. He is a steward in and of creation. Everything he does has a purpose. And he sets it in motion. Even that which dies and that which passes. That which decays and falls back into the ground. Even in its death. It serves a purpose. And it fuels something Else, There is never waste. Everything has been thought through. Everything is taken care of. Everything is 
provided for. God does nothing without considering it all the way from the beginning to the end. And there in Matthew chapter 6, we see when he says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? He lets us know that just in the principle of creation, God has already thought everything through. He did not create one flower. He did not create one creature, one insect. That it did not serve a purpose originally. That it did not have some sort of function. There was no waste in creation. God waste nothing. He is not arbitrarily setting things up and leaving them to their own. And this was the principle that Christ was trying to tell us that even the fowl of the air, even the birds of the air, God took precision and he thought through to care for them. And if them, then how much more does God think out your life? Does God think out your purpose? Why? The lily of the field they do not toil and yet God sees to their beauty and he sees to their feeding. He sees to their growth. How much more does our heavenly father, does the creator of the universe set out your life with plan and with purpose. We are not just an accident of some collision of energy in the cosmos, but God sees your life and he sees it with purpose. He sees it with provision. Amen. It's good to have amen with us this morning. If I get this right, is it Brother Patrick Rody? Amen. Thank you. That's your wife's maiden name. Forgive me. I, I, I was close. I was shooting in the dark there. It's good to have them here with us. And I, I envy, these are, these are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. And I envy, I envy their, their uh, recent, previous job, I guess you could say. You, correct me if I'm wrong, you were a chaplain in the Grand Canyon. I mean, folks, now, now I love to hike. I love to explore. I love to go out in creation. I love to go out in nature. And I thought for sure that if I was going, if God was going to settle me down somewhere to pastor, I thought for sure it'd be like Hawaii next to a waterfall and the mountain and the canyons. But God sent me here to the, the Mississippi Valley Basin where it floods and there's mosquitoes and allergies. And this is just where we're at, folks. This is our lot in life. Here it is. But you got to pastor in the Grand Canyon. I didn't even know there was a church in the Grand Canyon. I had no clue. Wow. Surrounded by nature, surrounded by creation, and there is nothing that testifies more to the majesty and the power and the glory of God than when you get outside there in creation. Folks, can I tell you, we are not an accident. 
God did not just set us in this place in time upon this earth to forget about us. He did not just set us here, amen, to walk away from us. But no, He is involved in our life. This is what Jesus was saying. If the birds do not toil, if the lilies do not toil, then how much more you has God thought through things? Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord this morning. And if in creation I am not intended to be a waste, then how much more when I make the decision that I am going to serve the Creator, when I take the step that I am going to let the banner of His name be applied to my life, when I step out of an earthly kingdom into an eternal purpose in a heavenly kingdom, when I give my life to God, how much more is everything thought through, everything taken care of, and everything provided for? There is no waste in the kingdom of God. Hear me today. Every breath that I take, every step that I make, every prayer that I pray, every worship that I raise, when I do it as unto Him, under the banner of His love, it is not in vain. It is not lost on Him. Your being in the house of God this morning is not a waste. This is not just a passing of time but there is something that is happening in the spiritual realm of a heavenly kingdom hear this preacher today God is not a waster God is not one that wastes things the psalmist said this he said that God keeps a record of every tear that I cry before him in Psalms 56 and 8 he said thou tellest my wanderings Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? He acknowledges that there's not one tear that is shed before God. That God does not record. And he says, God, let them be collected as a bottle standing before you as a testimony. Can I tell you there's not one prayer that you have prayed that God has waited that God has let pass. Oh, hear me this morning. Some of us have succumbed to the lie of the enemy that tells us what we are doing does not matter. That the steps we take in God, we're not gaining any ground. That the prayers that we are praying God is not hearing. But I am here to preach against every lie and say God is not a God that wastes Hallelujah. Our prayers are not lost on him. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Your prayers are not lost on God. Sometimes you pray and you wonder, God, are you hearing me? God, are you hearing me? I don't know if I have any real people here this morning. Come on. Sometimes you pray and you wonder, God, are you hearing me? Oh, but if we will be not weary in well-doing, we shall reap in due season if we faint 
not. It's the messy middle that we were talking about last night. Amen. Where we get hung up sometimes and we get disillusioned and we are tempted to let it go. But we turn to Acts chapter number 10 and we find a man by the name of Cornelius. He is a Gentile and he does not even know about Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that he was a man of prayer. Praying to a God that he did not fully understand. A God whose identity was some not yet obscure to him. But yet he prayed. And the angel of the Lord comes down and stands before Cornelius. And Cornelius was afraid. In verse number 4 and said, what is it Lord? And here's what the angel said. Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Can I? I tell you, even in your weak moments, even in the times where you don't have complete understanding, your prayers are not lost on God. There's not one prayer that's under under your breath that God wastes, that God throws away, that God discards. God is not a God of waste. And so can I encourage somebody this morning, keep on stepping towards heaven. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Praising, keep on worshiping, keep us know that our adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Devour for the sake of wasting, devour for the sake of destroying. This is the intent and the purpose in spiritual warfare. We fight for life. We fight for the purpose that God has, and the enemy comes against us because he's trying to waste your life. He's trying to waste your soul. The enemy comes and he tries to waste. We see this in Satan when we see the term sons of perdition. That ancient word perdition we don't use much anymore. That old English word. But one way that it can be defined is it can be defined as a waste. The sons of perdition as a waste. Christ would give the title, the son of perdition, to whom, him whom would betray him. Christ would speak of Judas. He, he prayed the prayer and he says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Speaking of his disciples and of the apostles, those that thou gavest me have I kept. And none of them is lost but the son of Perdition. Speaking of Judas, perdition means that who is wasted, that who is wasteful. The Bible tells us of Judas that literally he fell to the influence of Satan so much that the Bible says that Satan entered into him. Before that betrayal moment, that Satan's influence was so great that he actually enters inside of Judas and begins to act out. And his life was a waste. He betrays Christ. He betrays Christ. And when he acknowledges his mistake, he goes back only to find out it was too late. He could not exchange back that which he had taken for the precious life of Jesus Christ. And so under the influence, not of God and not of the love of Christ, but under the influence of the adversary, the Bible tells us that he goes out and he hangs himself he wastes his life. 
Later on, Paul would use the same title, speaking of the son of perdition, when he would speak about that great antichrist that would be to come. In 2 Thessalonians, he says that you should be soon shaken in mind or troubled, that you should not be soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. He says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. He says there will be a man that will come, a man of sin, a son of perdition. And he's seeking not what he can save, but he's seeking what he can waste. He's seeking what he can destroy. Can I tell you, the enemy seeks to waste your life. The enemy seeks to waste your time. The enemy seeks to waste your energy. The enemy is here to waste your talent. The enemy is here to waste your family. The enemy is here to waste your marriage. The enemy is here to waste your God-given relationships. It is the enemy that comes today to waste the church that is here to waste the world. But I am thankful that there is a God who is not a God of waste. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The things that are seeking to rob your time, they are not of God. We just concluded last Wednesday night a three-week series on why media matters. And we took a look at social media and technology and how we use it and how it can affect us for the good or for the bad. We talked about many pitfalls and we talked about many traps. You say, why did you take time to discuss technology? Because I understand that while these devices are amoral, neither good nor bad, the enemy tries to hijack every positive thing to waste our life. He'll do it no matter how he can do it. He will waste our time and our energy. Can I tell you the song had it right? We have one life to live. And only what you do for Christ will last. I don't want my life to become a waste. I don't want to waste the thing that God entrusts in me. I don't want to waste these moments that I have been given. But I want to trust them to the Lord. I want to see God work in my life. It is the lie of the serpent that comes in the garden, in the first chapters of the Bible, where he appears to Adam and Eve, and he begins to challenge, and he begins to question. And he asks this, Hath God said? Hath God said? He comes down, and he begins to question. And he begins to question the Word of God. Now think about this. Adam and Eve, the Bible says, walked with God in the cool of the day. They spoke to him voice to voice. They had an understanding. There was no there was no inhibitor. There was no separation. But they had a connection from God. They heard the voice of God themselves. It did not come third hand. 
fourth hand, fifth hand. It was not them reading it in the book. They heard the voice of God themselves. I'm here to tell you, it does not matter how genuine or authentic your experience and your communication with God. The devil will come to seek to waste the word that God has spoken in your life. Every promise, every purpose, every belief, the enemy comes to challenge and he's trying to waste the word of God in your life. And he goes from half God said to you shall not surely die and he interjects his lie can I tell you we are here this morning to lift up and exalt the name of God we are here this morning to hear the voice of God not just third hand not just fourth hand but we are here to interact with God first hand we are here to get back to a place where God can speak directly to us but there is an enemy that's sitting on the pews that's waiting by your car that's waiting in your house when you walk home to waste the word that God wants to speak into your life I'm here to tell somebody that God is not a God of waste but it is the enemy that will waste your soul and so with that we come to the great faith declaration of the apostle Paul in Romans Chapter number 8 and verse 28. Oh, what courage it took to say this statement. Oh, what faith it took to make a declaration like this. Paul, you're the one who fought hard against God. Paul, you're the one who held the letters that sought to kill the men and women of the church. You are the one whom they laid their coats at his feet and stood by, cheering them on as they would stone Stephen. Paul, you are the one that would fight against the gospel. Paul, you're the one that then would become converted and yet you would suffer great persecution. You would be beaten and you would be shipwrecked and you would be mocked and you would be ridiculed. You'd be ridiculed in the church and you'd be ridiculed and railed on outside of the church. Paul, you would be left for dead after being stoned. Paul, your life would have many ups and it would have many downs. You'd have points and moments that you could not explain. And yet Paul rises with faith and with courage. And looking back over all of his wrongs and all of his past, hear me today, and all of his sins and all of his hang-ups and Paul would declare and we know <laughs> not that some of it but that all things that all things work together <laughs> for good to them that love God you know what that tells me God's not a waster and what the devil seeks to waste, God says, I can redeem. <laughs> what the enemy sought to waste, God says, no, I can use that. 
as a platform for my glory. What the enemy tried to destroy, God says, no, I can use that as a testimony, as a faith builder, as a stepping stone to your resurrection, as a stepping stone to your deliverance, to your healing. Oh, I'm here to tell somebody that God does not waste. God does not throw away. God does not discard. But all things work together for good. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got faith today. I know I stumbled. I know I messed up. I know I may have some things in my past, some stuff that you may not understand. But I've got faith today that if I'll just keep on stepping, that I'll just keep on walking, that if I'll just keep on trusting, hear me somebody, if I'll just keep on praying, if I'll just keep on worshiping, all things are going to work together for good to them that love God. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil steal your faith. Don't let the devil rob you of your joy. We look back in life and say, God, I don't understand how this could work together for good. I don't know how this can work out. I was talking this week with somebody in the book of Job. We're discussing the book of Job. One, one, of, the, one of the most amazing things about the book of Job is it ends, so, it ends so glorious, but yet God never answers the question of why. And too often we're looking for the answer to why. Why this? Why did I have to do this? Why did that have to happen? Why did that happen? I don't know that it always did have to happen. I don't know that we do have to backslide. I don't know that we do have to fail. I don't know that we have to make all the bad choices that we make. But what I do know is God is not a waster. And God does not discard us. And God does not throw us away. And God, God does not cast us out. You say, well, hey, I'm here today and I shouldn't be here. I, I don't really know why. I, mean, I don't know what God's doing in my life. I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Now's not the time to walk out. Now's not the time to quit. Now's not the time to throw in the towel. Don't say, hey, I don't get it. I don't understand. I can't make sense of my life. I'm here to tell you if you keep on trusting God, just like Paul said, all things work together for good to them that love God. Beware of the lie. Beware of the lie that can creep in even to those that are closest to Christ and say, I don't need to do this. This is wasteful. There's a lie that comes the enemy, the spirit of Antichrist is already here working against the kingdom of God. A lie that says, oh, you don't really have to do that. You don't really need to do all that. That's not necessary. We in our own capacity, sometimes we are able to do much on our own. And if we're not careful, we can, we can get the mechanics of going through the religious practices all down. And we do it on our own. We do it. By ourselves, I come to church and I do this and I do that. And we can, we can, we can go through. It's easy. It's easy to cheat on your prayer life. Can I get an amen? It's easy to cheat on reading the word of God. Well, you know, I'm going to be in church and pastor's going to read the word of God a little bit. Or I'll pray then. I'll pray, you know, between. I'll pray for the offering. I'll pray for my food. I'll pray. And, and, and you begin to think, I don't need all of this. Can I tell you that's a lie? Of the enemy. 
that's not seeking to build you up, but is seeking to waste you. See, it's easy to think, well, I'm okay. I don't need to go to church today. I, I, can, I can skip out on this. And I'm not saying, you know, we get sick and we have life and sometimes we go out of town and all that stuff. But, but just in your day-to-day exercises to say, hey, I, I don't need God today. I, I can skip on this. I'm okay. I prayed last week. I, God really touched me last week. No greater is the temptation not to pray than after you just had a wonderful prayer meeting a few days before. The Jews understood that they needed God every day. In fact, they said that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of his mouth. That was a statement that Moses made to Israel in the wilderness. And he was literally saying that man cannot live by the the physical substance of bread, but that they have to live by the word of God. He was telling them in the wilderness, you may be eating of the manna, but you are sustained, not by the manna. That's just the symptom of the blessing of God. You are sustained by the very word of God. And so they set up a tradition that they will not go three days without going to synagogue to hear the reading of the word. They still practice it today. Three times a week they will go because they understand that it is the word of God that gives them life. That's where that practice came from. Hey, I need need the word of God in my life. It's easy for us to be tempted Even those that are close to God. We see an interesting story. Does anybody remember that song that was really popular probably about 20 years ago? Alabaster Box. The song sings the story of the lady who comes to Christ. And she brings in this alabaster box ointment, oil. And she comes and she breaks the box. And she anoints Christ. And it's quite a dramatic scene. Of course, one that's, that's removed from our cultural context that we wouldn't understand completely. But she comes and she anoints his head. And, and after she anoints his head, she comes down and she begins to weep. And, and it says so much that her tears, as her tears fell, that her tears fell on his feet. And it was customary. Feet washing was something that was very common in that day and age as they culturally walk around in a dusty desert and sandals and you'd go into the house and they'd wash their feet. And it was a common practice. And so she comes, but this was uncommon because she washed his feet with her tears. And then she took her hair and she dried his feet with her hair. Everything, she's holding such a valuable possession in the alabaster box. Some have said that that could be up to a commoner's year salary, an annual salary, the value of that. And yet while she holds this great value, she she doesn't have enough to have a towel. And she uses that which is her own, what she has, just her humble resource of her hair. She comes and she plays this act out. And there we see that she does this and there are those that stand by and are appalled. There are those that stand by and mock and they wonder what's going on. We see the narrative play out in Matthew chapter, I believe it's 26, and Mark 14, I think it's John chapter 12. There are three places where we read about this. And most often we look and we lump them all together. But if you look at them, it is not one episode that takes place. Matthew and Mark's account are parallel. They're they're discussing the same story. But when you look at John's account, there is something drastically different. 
And there's a truth that's illustrated here because in John's gospel, in chapter number 12, he says that it was six days before the Passover Christ comes to Bethany. And there in Bethany, Martha and, and Lazarus, we, we see her sibling is there. Lazarus is there and Martha is there serving. And at this place, a woman comes and begins to wash his feet. And in this account, Judas speaks up. And Judas says, hey, look at all of this money. Look at the value of this box that is being wasted. This could have been sold and given to the poor. We could take it and we could sell it and we could take the value of that money and we could put it in our treasury and we could use this as our ministry to go out. John says that, of course, Judas was a thief. He, we know this is right before the time where Satan literally enters into him. He's under the influence. And, and Judas was not seeking to help the poor or have compassion for the poor, John says. But he was looking for opportunity to have his own gain. He had succumbed to the lie that that which was spiritual was not wasteful and that which was carnal was of value. He had succumbed to the lie that that which was spiritual was a total waste and, it, and, and there's no reason to do that. But oh, the physical things. He had gotten caught up in ministry that it was about the money. It was about the lights. It was about what he could build in his personal kingdom, not the sacrifice that could be given. So Judas speaks out so low and he begins to criticize and he begins to condemn and hear me. There's powerful value because then we go to the accounts, the dual accounts and the roles here in Matthew and in Mark. And if you'll pay close attention, they say it was yet two days to the Passover. And now we see a woman come with an alabaster box. It was not one episode that they all were speaking about, but it happened more than once. It happened yet on two different occasions. There was one where a woman comes and she, she washes his feet and she worships and she prays. And John says, or, or Judas rather says, it's wasteful. And now we come to the episode just four, three, four days removed from what took place in Martha's house. And now we're still in Bethany at Simon the leper's house. And in this place, there comes another woman and she brings an alabaster box. And she does the same thing as she breaks it and she anoints his head. And now again, we see another time where she gets down and through her tears and her sorrow and her prayers and her weeping and her worship. She comes in humble adoration. She lowers herself among the multitude as low as she could go. And now the lie that has been spoken has caught on and is contagious. And Matthew and Mark both say that the others stood by. Now it's not a solo voice. Now it's picked up an audience uh, and there's a crowd standing by and literally they say, why was this waste made? 
Why are they wasting all of this stuff? What's going on? And Jesus rebukes them yet again and say, this woman has come to anoint my body. And this is something that is worship. This will always be spoken. This is not a waste. Through your carnal eyes, you think it's a waste. But through spiritual eyes, there is something that is going on. I'm here to preach against the lie of the enemy that comes to tell you that what you are doing in the spirit is a waste. I'm here to preach against every audience and every voice that that lie finds refuge with. It is not wasteful to give God your all. It is not wasteful to humble yourself before the Lord. It is not wasteful when you worship. It is not wasteful when you pray. It is not wasteful when you dedicate yourself to the Lord. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Stand together with me today. Hallelujah. Living for God is not a waste of time. Oh, I thought I'd have a better amen than that. Living for God is not a waste of time. Your prayer is not a waste of time. Every time you set aside other things to open up the Word of God, even if just for five minutes and say, Lord, speak into my life, it's not a waste of time. Giving God your talents instead of letting yourself be exhausted or rather wasted by the world is not a waste of time. It's the principle of the Sabbath that God instituted with Israel. You know, when God gave the command of the Sabbath, it was coupled with the promise of manna. He tells them in the wilderness, he said, look around you. The heathens, they will work seven days a week. They will have, but my people will work six days a week. They will give one entire day unto rest and unto God, under prioritizing their life, under resetting their life, and they will not go without. The lie of the enemy says this, there's a whole day that I can make extra gain. That's the lie of the enemy. But it was a command that Moses said, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now man was not created for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was created for the man. And Jesus comes and he speaks to us on that. We understand that we are living in that spiritual eternal rest. But the principle still bears out. And the command still rings true. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It, it's saying this, do not displace God and the things of God thinking that you'll be able to get ahead. Come on, anybody ever been short on your checkbook? And what does the devil come and tell you? If you'll just suspend your giving, now nobody's going to help me preach on Sunday morning. If you'll just suspend your tithes for this week, you could catch up, but remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And you say, no, God, there's a principle that when I give, I'm not going to be like the rest of the world. 
where my life is being wasted, God, you are going to honor. I prayed last night. I don't need to, I don't need to pray today. I, I don't need to go to church today. You know, I got a lot of things. You know, the, I, I really need to mow my grass today. Can't I tell you? Hear me today. That there is a value when you say, hey, I, what the world's going to call waste, God's going to call worship. And God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste one moment every time you get in your car and you make a step towards God. You are building up spiritual defenses. You are, you are storing up in a spiritual house. That which cannot fade away. That which cannot corrupt. That which the enemy can't get his hands on and take away. Every prayer you pray. Mother, every tear you shed, every tear you, it's it's stored up as a bottle. God's writing it down. Father, the prayers that you're praying, God, make this house a house of God. Those are standing as a memorial. They're gathered up as a memorial there before God. Not one thing is wasted. Now, I don't want to fall prey to the lie that tells me it's just a waste. No, no. I know all things work together for good to them that love God. I'm going to keep on marching. I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on trusting. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on putting God first in my life. I'm going to keep on giving God authority in my life. Hebrews 10 and 39 says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or unto waste, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Put that up there, Hebrews 10, 39. We are not of them who draw back unto perdition, draw back unto waste. Don't, don't take everything God's built up in your life and say, I'll throw it away for the pleasures of this world. Demoth hath forsaken us, having loved this present world. That is a waste. But Paul endures and he says, I fought the fight. I finished the course. Amen. And now laid up for me a crown in glory. But we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Some of you, the enemy's been lying to you. Come on, the devil's been lying to you. I'm here to tell you, God's not only a redeemer and a restorer. He's a God that doesn't waste. He'll take those things. When you submit your life to God and you put God first, them that love God, he said all things work together for good. God can take our hang-ups and He can use them as platforms for glory, stepping stones for our own healing, for our own deliverance. God can take that which was evil and He can turn it into good. If I'll just trust Him right now, can we just give it to the Lord? Give your life to the Lord in a new way. God, I don't, I don't want to waste. Come on. I'm standing here today vulnerable before you. I, I may be preaching today, but I'm preaching to myself. Come on, I, 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 can't, I can't fall prey that I, that I don't have time to pray or that I don't have time to give or I don't have time to worship. Can I tell you, I can't afford not to pray. I can't afford not to be in the house. I don't know about you, but I'm not strong enough. I need God every day. Hallelujah. I wonder if somebody here this morning would step out of faith and say, I, I need to bring some things. I need to bring some questions. I'll lay them on the altar. And I need to trust God.